Welcome to Bills by the Numbers, where we use the stats to explain where the Bills are at. Coming up, the Bills are on a special takeaway tear. We look at how it has been a common theme through the Sean McDermott era and explore whether it can continue. Steve is quizzed on the fastest ball carriers in the league. Speaking of speed, how important is it to be one of the fastest teams in football? ESPN senior NFL reporter Jeremy Fowler joins us to explain. Where's my kicking team? All right, good to have you with us here on Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel app today and make every moment more. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker, Bills Insider Chris Brown with you, and our jumping off point this week deals with Buffalo's league-leading turnover margin of plus 13, due in large part to their league-leading 18 takeaways in just seven games played. Hello, Steve. Since Sean McDermott took over as head coach, there is only one team in football that has more interceptions than the Bills. Buffalo has 74 over that four-plus-year span. That's in 71 games. Pretty remarkable. Why do you think... The Bills have been able to sustain their ability to force turnovers at such a high rate year over year. Well, I, it, I don't think it's rocket science. <laughs> I think it's their safeties. I think Poyer and Hyde are the best safety tandem in the NFL. They've been there together for all those four years. They are the constant. And they are the constant. Those guys um, confuse quarterbacks. And, not only, and I know that they haven't made all of those, all 74 interceptions. Right. But they set quarterbacks up to be confused. They force quarterbacks to go to their second and third read. They, um, in a year like 2020, when the Bills did not have a dynamic pass rush, they still continued to give quarterbacks yeah. problem in the back end. So, I think it's the personnel in the back end of this defense that continues to be the constant. With Tre'Davious White at one corner, Levi Wallace for most of that stretch of years was the other corner. Taron Johnson has emerged as a really good slot corner. Tremaine Edmonds is the you know this huge praying mantis of a middle <laughs> linebacker that you know that forces guys to throw around him uh, and Milano's a really good cover linebacker they play nickel almost every snap on defense yep. it's their base package basically so I think those constants are those personnel in the back end of their defense with the help from the linebacking or the two linebackers that are there most of the time it's a really good recipe for finding the football yeah Tredavious White you know, we want to give credit where it's due. He has been there wire to wire in the McDermott era as well, along with Poyer and Hyde. I think Taron Johnson is still underrated even now after his breakout season last year. He's going to be signed up long term. Hyde got signed to an extension. Poyer got signed to an extension. White got signed to an extension. Levi was re-signed for a one-year deal to come back this year. I mean, it's a group that knows each other like the back of their hand. I mean, Leslie Frazier was just talking the other day about how the communication between Poyer and Hyde has reached a level where it's nonverbal. He said, Poyer told me in a game recently, he just gave Micah a wink. And Micah knew what he was doing, and he knew what Micah was going to do, and they just did it. And that's the advantage that's, of continuity. But yeah. I think your point about the linebackers is well noted as well. Yeah. Um, those two guys are pretty damn good coverage They're linebackers. Not, and let's face it, Tremaine Edmonds was, was picked – the same year Josh Allen was, and he is an abs. He's not 
what most people look at and say that's a deep that's a middle linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. He looks physically different than every other linebacker. He's very tall, very lean, very long. And I think it's a, a it's a concession by Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean to realize the direction that the NFL is going. It's a throwing league. Your linebackers are not stuff the gap short yardage linebackers. They are cover a lot of ground, mm-hmm. ball hawking with ball skills linebackers. And plus they got to be able to run. Milano and Edmonds cover a lot of ground. They rarely jump up into the run mix. Those guys are out there to defend the pass because that's what the Bills see most of the time in the NFL these days. They were drafted for that. They've grown into that. And they're built for it. So all of those things considered, you know, the Bills got out in front of it and they have steadfastly stuck with that philosophy. Mm-hmm. Nickel defense, what we used to call nickel defense, that's their that's their go-to. Might as well be base personnel. That's for their them. base personnel. <laughs> um if you go three linebackers with the Bills, <laughs> it's well, almost it's almost a slap in the face toward what they think about your passing game. And this could be a discussion for another time, but even when opposing offenses go 21 personnel or 12 personnel, right. they leave Taron Johnson on the field because he's that good at tackler. Yes. How many teams say their can say their nickel package can right. do that? And, and there's not many that can do that either. Right, right. And Taron Johnson, he's he's a corner but he's he's thick you know he's a he's a thicker bodied slot cover guy he's not a giant though by any he's means. not a giant he's short but he's not small is what yeah. i guess is my point so he's kind of built to mix it up in there you know he's not afraid to go up in there and and step in and make a tackle on a on a run play uh they send him on blitzes all of these you know leslie frazier does a good job they pick their spots and you know week two in miami you know they sacked two of tonga vailoa Two out of the first three plays on of, from scrimmage, right out of the gate, um, and he didn't he didn't make it through his second series before they had sent pressure and he, once again he was on the ground and he was hurt. Um, so they have the ability and they trust all of these guys to rush. I mean, they've sent every single guy on the on the defense in a on a blitz yeah. at one point in the season or other. From 2017 to 2021, the present day here, the Bills are number one in the league in 11 different passing defense categories over that entire span. And I'm not going to run down all of them here, Steve, but the ones that stuck out to me, opponent passer rating, 79.8. Think about all the times they face Brady, and that number is still down there. Yards per completion, lowest number, 9.53 in a passing league. Opponent percentage of pass attempts that are touchdowns. 3.2%. Touchdown to interception ratio, Steve, it's almost even one-to-one. It's 1.07 to one. I mean, passing touchdown to passing interception. Uh, Fewest passing touchdowns, 79. Most opponent receiving fumbles lost. Receiver catches the ball, loses a fumble 18 times. In four years. What's interesting with all these impressive number one rankings when it comes to Buffalo's pass defense is, as you briefly mentioned, they're only ranked middle of the pack in terms of pass rush over this span of time. And they're not, they're pretty much in the same area this year again. 16th in sack percentage from 2017 to 2021, 16th in pressure percentage. How have they been so successful despite not having a top flight pass rush under McDermott? I think it's. I think it is a, a. 
I think it's a characteristic of what teams think they can get away with with this team. They, no question, the Bills' pass rush has not been dynamic, or at least not, you know, getting 60 sacks yeah, a year. Not consistently dynamic week over week. But I do think week. it's been, I do think they have some guys that get there, and I think teams have, have all uniformly seen a way to attack this Bills' defense, and that's to get the ball out of your quarterback's hands quickly. Yeah. They have done it time and time and time again. The Patriots have done it for years, uh, for the entire time Sean McDermott has been here. Other teams have taken a cue from that. You watch Bills games, and the ball is out because teams choose and teams have had the most success doing that against the Bills. So it's become the thing the Bills have had to deal with more so than any other kind of attack and, and, it's, and it varies, either quick out of the hands on screen passes, bubble screens, or timing routes like the old West Coast offense, mm-hmm. three steps, a hitch, and it's out. The ball is out fast. And I think that has been the one thing that teams have decided they've got to attack this defense like. And it's, all, it's almost been constant. Right. Every time the Bills play a team, no matter what they've done in year, weeks past, teams have gotten the ball out fast against this Bills defense. And as a Bills defense – you're happy to take that because that means they're throwing everything underneath. If you're right. getting it out that fast, nobody's getting downfield behind you, which is yeah. what this defense's philosophy is. Nothing cheap, nothing deep. And that's why they're usually at the top of the league and fewest 20-yard pass plays allowed, 20 yards or more. And that's the case this season. It's one of the 15 different pass defense categories in which the Bills are number one. Some of the highlights there, completion percentage allowed, 57.6% completion. Touchdown to interception ratio, 0.45. 0.45 interceptions, they have 11, and they've done that on the fewest plays from scrimmage because they've only played seven games. Most teams have played eight. Total takeaways, first downs allowed, touchdowns allowed, yards per play, 4.58. They are the only team in the league under five yards per play allowed. Opponent passer rating this year, 61.4. Hello. That's that's extraordinarily low. They are really having a a stellar year here in 2021. So the question now is, seeing this year's defense leading the league in even more categories than they have over this four-plus year span under McDermott, does it make you feel confident about the team's chances to lead the league in takeaways first and second, and probably more importantly, Go the distance this year. Do they have a championship yeah, defense? I think they do. I, and I think the reason is um, all this stuff about the passing. I think they're better against the run this year than they were. They are. They're better against the run. And because of that, teams are throwing the football against longer odds to get first downs. And I think they've put more pressure on, a, on teams that they're playing because all of a sudden now it's, it's second and eight, second and 11, second and 12, third and nine. Um, they are behind the sticks a lot more early in downs. And even when the teams are in, they get a nice pass play or whatever, and it's second and six, it's third and six, you know? So these teams are really struggling to make first downs against this Bills defense and have consistent gains. Now, they'll snap off a 12-yard pass play, but it was on a third and 10, you know? So they got three plays where they get zero and then a play where they get 12. Right. That kind of success is what these teams are looking at when they play this Buffalo Bills defense. It's, they are really, really tough to move the ball against, and particularly on the ground. And that's why they're better in the past this year because it's harder to stay on the field 
and be successful passing the football when you can't make first down. Yeah, we saw ESPN's Dan Orlovsky tweet this week because he watches a ton of film, and he tweeted out about the Bills' run defense. He said it might be the most sound gap integrity he's seen on a defense this season. He goes, there is nowhere to run on this defense. And when you have a top-five run defense to pass with that, to pair with that pass defense that the Bills have – Best yeah, of luck to you. That's why I do think it's sustainable. Because right. I'll tell you this, it's it's interesting because Starlo Tulele is back in the lineup, and that makes a difference. Yeah. But I think also it's not just that he has taken some attention away from Ed Oliver. I think it's also Ed Oliver playing better. Ed Oliver in the run game. Yes. More sound, more disciplined, getting to the gaps. Instead of trying to do, you know, make a splash play, he's being more disciplined about which gap he's supposed to be in and holding his own, not really worried about getting a tackle for a loss, but making sure somebody does other than himself get a tackle for loss or a tackle for no gain. So I think Starlo Tulele being back in the lineup has had a little bit of a ripple effect, particularly in the run game. And mm-hmm. like we said, that run game has, has forced teams to throw it to, to longer distances and, I and think, longer yardages for first downs. And I think the rookie Greg Rousseau has been a pleasant surprise in the run front, setting the edge, forcing stuff back yeah. inside. He's done well too, so that's been an unexpected you and I plus. I noticed that in rundowns, Rousseau's on the field. He is. He's on the field because he he's good the at. It. They trust him. He sets the edge extremely well uh, as a defensive end, and he's got such long arms. Um, I've seen him on on many occasion. You know, set the edge of the defense, yep. lock and move inside or yep. outside to try and get an arm on the tackle and 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 force a short gain. Uh, while still holding the edge of the defense. Just he's really been a pleasant surprise in that respect. Yeah. All right, we move on to the numbers game where Steve is going to be quizzed on the fastest players in the league this season according to Next Gen Stats, which will lead us into the second part of our discussion this week, the fastest teams in football. But, Steve, I need you to guess for me the fastest players on the field this season, and we're using Next Gen Stats that measure the top speed of players who had the ball in their hands at some point this season. So it could be offensive or defensive players, if, you know, if they make an interception or something. Right. So I've got a top 20 list in front of me, and I'm only going to ask you to try to name seven of them. I don't want you to give All me right. the whole list. I'll start with the guys let's, I think. Let's fire up the music right, and see go. how Steve does here in guessing seven the fastest, fastest players on the field the ball in their hands. this season. Off- anybody. Okay, I'll yeah. say, all right, first I'll say Tyreek Hill. Tyreek is correct. He is the 14th fastest, okay. though, so far this season. He hit 21.23 miles per hour. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, number two. Yeah. At 21. nine feet tall, 400 eight. pounds, he's number yeah. two fast. 21.8 miles per hour, and unfortunately, he did it on the 76-yard touchdown yeah. run against Buffalo. Well, That's he when he light. hit that. He had a nice little run-up. Two for two, Steve. All right, I'll say DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is on this list. You are correct. Um, let me see. Where is he? 13th, 21.31 miles per hour, just a hair faster than Tyreek. I'll say Jacobs, the running back from Indianapolis. Uh... Jacobs is the running back in Las Vegas. He Vegas. is not on the list. All right, the guy from Indianapolis. What's Jonathan Taylor. That's him. Number one. Really? On the list, 21.83 right, like miles it. per hour. You better hem that right. guy in when the Bills play the Colts in a couple right, of weeks. I like where my head's at right now. You are four for five. Okay, here we go. I'm going to go. You need two more to satisfy my uh, request on this Nicole list. Nicole Hardman. Not on this list. I was surprised to not see him either. There are some speed merchants that uh, you would recognize on this list. There are some more... Deshaun Jackson. Not on here, but a good guess. All right. I will give you a hint and tell you there are one, two, three, four, five, six teams 
that have multiple players on this list. Those teams are the Cowboys, the Jets, the Seahawks, you already got one of them, the Raiders, the Eagles, and the Ravens. All those teams have multiple players on this list of fastest players, according to Next Gen Lamar Jackson. Lamar is not on here. All right, Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown. 21.33 21.33 miles per hour. You give me two more, and you have completed is, uh, the request. Guy because what he's gone through, Henry Ruggs. Is he on Henry the Ruggs yeah. is on the okay. list. Yes, he actually made the list twice. Unfortunately, he's no longer on the Raiders, but 21.78 um, miles per hour. Oh, the the kid from Dallas. Uh, the DB. Diggs. Um, Trayvon Diggs. Let me see here. Yes, correct. Trayvon ah, Diggs, 21.03 miles per hour. How well done, I, Steve. I got that. I That's seven. seven. Right? That's right. seven. Well done. <laughs> Some of the other more notable names on here. Uh, Sammy Watkins made the list, 21.05 miles per hour. The Jets had two players, Tevin Coleman and Braxton Berrios, one of their slot guys. The Jets are not a fast. They're not. Uh, and then the two players from Dallas, both on defense. Trayvon Diggs and the other corner, Anthony Brown. We're on the list. I'm telling you. Philadelphia. Jalen Rager, who we knew was fast. Quez Watkins, you know, deeper on the depth chart for them at wide receiver. Um, So they had two players. The Ravens had three. Devin DuVernay. Then they had Marquise Brown, as you said, and Sammy Watkins. Three guys on their list. That was impressive to me. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it it was an interesting exercise. Not bad at all there, Steve, in the numbers game. The good people at FanDuel want you daily fantasy players to know that right now, new customers can get a 20% deposit bonus up to $500 on your first deposit. Just sign up today by going to FanDuel.com slash bills. That's FanDuel.com slash bills. FanDuel, official partner of the Buffalo Bills. Time now for a discussion with ESPN senior NFL reporter Jeremy Fowler, who along with ESPN.com analytics expert Brian Burke put together a write-up on the fastest and slowest teams in the NFL right now. We talked to Jeremy about the importance of collective team speed on an NFL roster now. Okay, Jeremy, so you know this article that you and Brian put together, real interesting read, ranking fastest, slowest NFL teams, how all 32 roster speed stacks up and why it's crucial in today's game. I want to begin here. I think the Chiefs, you could argue, reestablish putting a premium on speed with what they've done on offense the last three years. I did find it interesting, though, (laughs) they're lacking on the defensive side of the ball in terms of speed based on what your guys' numbers found. But would you say that that's kind of what maybe has reignited putting a premium on speed, what the Chiefs have done on offense? I think so. You know, you, you see a player like Tyree Kill, and now everybody wants to duplicate that in the draft uh, be, because of what he can do and how he can sort of flip the game in a matter of seconds. And so, you know, speed's always been a priority, but, you know, I had noticed the teams are more obsessed with it now than ever before. Um, you know, I, I hear stories just talking to coaches and scouts and how they might like comb through 40 times of, of uh, FCS schools and NAIA schools, you know, just to find uh, a guy who might be worth signing as an undrafted free agent, not even knowing if he can really play all that much, just uh, the fact that he runs a four, um, four, right. You, you know, it's just, there's, there's obviously a difference between game speed and 40 times speeds so that teams are trying to find out who really plays fast, but at least if a guy can move, gives you something to work with and, and, and makes it easier to scout him. 
Yeah, it, there is some nuance to how fast a team is because it, it's one thing to have two guards that can get out in front of a sweep and run out in front of it. It's a much different thing to have two wideouts who can outrun everybody on the field and how that speed translates onto the game and game plans, what coaches feel comfortable calling is a different thing. When you crunched all of these numbers and looked at the big picture, because it's, I mean, you guys took a deep dive into these 40 times and where these teams are fast, where they're not and you a lot of different percentage of importance as to who's fast and which position group. As you look, step back and look at the big picture, what jumped out at you that maybe was surprising for you? So, you know, it was great data from uh, my colleague, Brian Burke, on the analytics side, who, who kind of took the metric of players, you know, second through six fastest times on the field. So not 40 times, but like, how, you know, how many yards per second they can travel um, when they really get going. So, uh, you know, I think for me, I, I didn't know the Carolina Panthers were as fast as they were. Uh, you know, the top two teams uh, don't have a winning record, the Panthers and the Eagles. So I thought that was telling, you know, it's, it's, uh, there, there's much more to a team than speed. Uh, but, you know, those are two that have really prioritized it and sought it out, especially the wide receiver position. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it was surprising that uh, certain teams that have spent good money or invested in a lot of, of players and athletic players like the Cleveland Browns are one of the last ranked. That, that, you know, that surprised me. I thought they would be higher. Um, but, you know, if you're if you have like linebackers that aren't burners or certain positions on defense, you know, that, that sort of holds you back in the rankings. Um, you know, so it's it's been uh, it was interesting data. But, you know, the, the teams at the top and the teams at the bottom were a little surprising to me. Yeah, I tried to cross-reference the numbers you guys came up with with the current you know, NFL rankings for the more common general statistical categories, and there are some that jump out, like you mentioned, Jeremy. I mean, Miami's got the number one ranking for defense in your speed category here. We all know they're the yeah. 32nd-ranked defense in football right now. So I guess the question here is, knowing all the people you talk to in the league, do they have an answer for you when it comes to maximizing the value of speed on the field in terms of winning football, I guess? Not really. I don't, I think that's probably an, an exact science. You know, you it's funny. You talk to teams that, that win games uh, pretty consistently and yeah, of course they love speed, but they'll say, um, you know, it's all about just getting good football players. You know, they try to keep it pretty simple. I know the Steelers, when I used to cover them, that was always their mantra, just get good players. It really yeah. doesn't matter where they come from, how they move. You know, you look for traits, certainly, um, but you go from there. And, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that teams have totally figured that out because, um, you know, if you're a cornerback, you have to have ball skills uh, probably above all else, you know, and instincts. If, if you can run – um, but you can't play the ball. It doesn't matter. So the teams are looking for a combination, but, you know, as I, we're talking to people with the Panthers who were ranked first, you know, they said like, you're just, there's certain things that you cannot teach. Right. And so if you have that in place, you can help them with the rest of it. They can kind of bridge the gap and, and easily master the other parts of the game if they have the speed intact and as you see, speed is just one of those traits that teams look for in players. So, and, 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 it's been my observation too, and probably, and I don't, I get interested to hear, see, hear your opinion. Speed is just one of those traits that they that has become that is one of the important traits, no question. But as everybody gets in the league and everybody gets timed in a forty, and they weed out the guys that can't play, 
really the floor of the speed kind of rises so that there's kind of a, a very, you know, there's a, a window at the top where even the slow teams are pretty fast and the fast yeah. teams are really fast. But, I mean, how, how low or how high has the floor risen because of speed and the importance of it at all these positions? And, you know, if you can't run, you don't even get a chance to make a team, let alone be a yeah. part of a winning team. Well, it's funny, you know, speaking of the Bills, I've, I've heard stories about Sean McDermott. You know, he's just a tried and true football guy, right? So he's not going to focus on 40 times maybe as much as like a new age scout. You know, he'll be like, hey, this guy can really play when they're picking on the back end of the draft. And they're like, well, you know, coach, hey, you know, he runs a 4-7-40. He can't play cornerback, you know. <laughs> so it depends. It, it depends on the coach and the preference, even though a guy like Sean McDermott could make that work. Uh, based on his system and putting guys in the right position. And so uh, it's kind of about marrying, you know, the scheme and, and the coaching with that speed. Uh, but, yeah, like certain positions now, you can't play um, unless you run at a certain threshold. You know, it's just it, – it's it's different now. Like even guys who hung on and played 10 years in the league or and on the back end, you know, like they're having a harder time uh, just because, you know, if you're a cornerback, even 4-5 now is probably pretty slow. Um, where it used to be that was maybe more acceptable. It's just guys have more training now. Um, they have more resources. And so you can sort of get yourself a little faster. And let's, let's talk about the Bills since you brought them up a little bit here, Jeremy. They rank fifth on your guys' list in terms of fastest teams in the league. Their ranking is higher on the defensive side of the ball where you know they have what Steve calls a praying mantis in Tremaine Edmonds who runs like a 4-5-3 yeah. at, at the freakazoid height of 6 5 and a half. Um, and you know, their offensive and defensive ranks are comparable to their speed ranks on your chart. I mean, they're, you know, they're sixth in the league on offense and first in the league on defense. Um, I don't know if you had any other specifics. I saw that the quarterback ranking stuck out because we know Josh can certainly run. He's deceptively fast. Right. So what did you, what Josh ranked, but I was, I thought he would be top five. I don't want to have him. I think you had him finished at seven at 9.27 was his number, but yeah, like, I don't know if there were any other layers of what you guys pulled out of the bills, but you know, it's good to see them ranking fifth here. Yeah, for sure. And like Josh Allen's a funny one. Cause if you, you know, he, he could probably, if he got more top end speed chances, it'd probably be a little higher. I mean, the guy can run, but you know, like like Daniel Jones and some other guys are in the top five, got a little more chance to maybe get 20 yards downfield where you can really get moving. Um, yeah, the bills, you mentioned Edmonds. That was the first guy I thought of on defense. Cause he's, um, you know, like he's just a sideline to sideline guy I mean, he can hit in the running game going downhill, but like you, you ask him to go chase somebody down. He's really good at that. Um, you know, so that shows up, you know, Tredavious white isn't the fastest corner, but he, he plays fast cause he has good instincts. You know, some guys can get to that top end pretty quickly, you know, like Jordan Poyer, um, Micah high, they're not necessarily burners, but you know, their instincts help them play a little faster. So like for 10 yards, they can get going a little bit. Um, so it's, yeah, I would, I would classify the bills as a, a good team speed, uh, organization, maybe not like the, the team that has all the four, three burners, you know, Cole Beasley is another one probably doesn't run a great 40, but, um, you know, he can get point A to point B really fast. Yeah. The GPS tracking data has really transformed the analytics part of the scouting of all of this and and one of the things that as a player and I I mean I used to play wide receiver for a minute in the NFL and I covered a ton of kicks and one of the things I noticed was a guy that was like a 4-4-4-5 guy 
um, or a four five four six guy even was much better at times playing football than a four three four four guy because of one thing. Because they weren't as maybe because they weren't as fast, they could change directions better. And when you talk about a wide receiver, certainly he can outrun people, but his ability, and I, I remember talking to James Lofton, and I, I could totally relate. Late in our career, I could really run fast, but I couldn't stop hard. You know, yeah. you can't change direction. <laughs> so as fast as these guys are, the ability to stop hard is what gets them separation at the top of a route or allows a DB to stay with a receiver in a route because they can stop hard and change direction. And I know – the faster some of these guys are, the more force and more difficult it becomes to stop and change direction when they're moving at such a high rate of speed. As, and it, it, that's a hard thing to quantify, is it not? Yeah, certainly. You know, I think teams look for players that are fast all the time. You know, like right. they, they, they look – I guess one coach with the Panthers mentioned like drop of a dime speed. That's what you're looking for. So a guy like Dante Jackson, their cornerback, um, is, is a legit four, three guy who can move quickly and, and, you know, can change, change his direction, fat, you know, quickly and, and, and get downhill. So, um, even though he's not considered like a top 10 cornerback, he'll get paid pretty well, uh, for that very reason, you know? So, um, usually the smaller guys can do that a little better. So it, you kind of, you know, you got to find the right mix of, uh, size and speed, especially that position. Uh, that's probably the, the toughest one. Uh, that they try to find to evaluate. Cause you know, a receiver, you're sitting there, um, you know, you can kind of dictate terms. You can cut and move on your pace where the, you know, the cornerback has to be able to turn and get to, to point A to point B really quickly. So that that's the position where I think it comes up most often. Yeah. And I think Steve would be the first to tell you, but he ran a four, three, two at Dodge city community college. That's yeah. what got him an opportunity at Northwestern. So really interesting breakdown yeah. uh, by you and Brian Burke, Jeremy, <laughs> thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch Appreciate up with you, you down the line. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, Steve's uh, four three forty will live in uh, combine folklore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Deion Sanders <laughs> and all those guys. Yeah, yeah I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't get it. The, the combine had just begun before my career, and I didn't even get invited. <laughs> <laughs> That's how far down the list I was. So there you go. Thanks again, Jeremy. We appreciate Thanks, the Jerry. time as always. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, good discussion there. We turn now to our good friends at FanDuel for some high-low, a new pick'em game in which you can play along for a chance to win a million dollars, and it's free to play in all 50 states. So you can do this just like Steve and I are going to do. We'll show you how it's done. Each week, we pick the NFL teams that we think will score highest and lowest across four statistical categories. Get every pick right, and you could win a million dollars. So this week, Steve, I'm picking the highs. You've got the lows. So high for total points this week, Steve. I'm going with the Bills. The Jaguars <laughs> have had a tough time stopping anybody this season. They've given up 23 points or more in all but one of their games and 30 points more than four times this season. Buffalo averages almost 33 points per game themselves. So I've got the Bills for high points this week. All right, I'll take the low points this week. Um, I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. Mm. Um, the Cowboys are just too good defensively. The Broncos with Bridgewater, a kind of a game manager. They almost blew a game this last week. Yep. Um, I, I just don't think Denver is in a spot where they can play consistently well enough offensively. And 
turnovers are going to be a factor with Dallas. I mean, Trayvon Diggs can, yeah. is going to get a pick from it for Teddy Bridgewater. They've got a lot of team speed on that desf- defensive line. Yeah, I just don't think Denver's got enough horses to score with Cowboys, and I think they're, not, they're going to struggle to get on the board. All right. High for passing yards this week. I've got the Rams. Yes, they have a tough draw against the Titans, but I don't think Tennessee has the horses on defense to slow that Rams passing attack down. Too many weapons. Rams for high on passing yards. For low on passing yards, it's got to be the Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold's in concussion protocol. Um, he's not in a good place right now. It, PJ Walk, He got benched for P.J. Walker last week. I, they're struggling at that spot. If, if, you're not, if your quarterback's not money, you're not going to throw the football very yeah. well, and you're playing Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah. Okay, for rushing yards, for me, on the high end, it's the Ravens. Yes, they're throwing more lately, but they're still third in the league in rushing, and no one has been able to stop them completely. Minnesota has the 21st-ranked run defense. That's who they're playing. I think it's a big ask for the Vikings to stop Lamar and company, so I'm riding the Ravens here. Yeah, and for low in the rushing yards, I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders. They haven't been able to run Mm. the ball effectively all season, and they're not playing a great defense in the New York Giants. But the Giants are getting better, and the Raiders, I think, will just throw the running game out the window and try and score points that way on the Giants. So I think it's going to be partly the Raiders just forgetting about the running game. Yeah, they don't and the mind. The Giants are going to be ready for it, I think. Yeah, they don't mind riding Derek Carr at all. Right. Finally, high for sacks. I like the Patriots. That unit has had a strong season. I think Belichick will have some things drawn up to get whichever QB is playing for Carolina to pat the ball and get swallowed up. So New England, for me, the high for sacks yeah, this week. That's exactly, yeah, I was all over that game, too, that matchup with Carolina. <laughs> the second one. the Double dipped. <laughs> you're going high for points for the Buffalo Bills, so I'm going low for sacks on the Jaguars. The, okay. I don't think they're going to be able to find Josh back there. I think the Bills' offense is going to be too good. They can run the ball effectively. And with Allen's ability to ev- evade the rush and – the overall points that the Jaguars have given up, I don't think they're going to get Josh Allen on the ground at all unless he runs out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage or something like that. He's just too difficult to bring down. So yeah. I'm going to go with the, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars for not getting any sacks this week against the Buffalo Bills. I like that pick. I think that's a strong one. All right, those are our high-low picks for Week 9. What are yours? Go to FanDuel.com slash high-low for a free chance to win a million dollars. That'll do it for this edition of Bills by the Numbers. Subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use so you know when our next episode drops. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. We'll catch you next week, everybody.